Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. I'm on the line with Jordan Christensen and Jason Browning of The Draw. Guys, how you doing? Very good. Thanks for having us, Jay. Yeah, thank you very much. We're doing real well. Uh, looking forward to it. We've got the Arizona elk and antelope deadline coming up here on February 12th, and uh, we're in a position where I've been kicking out a lot of podcasts trying to provide as much information uh, for my listeners uh, in regards to this elk and antelope draw. I've talked with a lot of outfitters uh, in Arizona uh, about it and tried to get their take on the upcoming year. Uh, I'd like to give you guys a chance. You guys are coming at it from a little bit different angle. Uh, I follow, uh, got a, a contact through uh, Instagram, We Are The Draw. I believe I contact, uh, got contacted by Jordan. And you guys have started a company uh, that focuses on an application service and focuses on, on these western states draws. Uh, so I want to give you guys a chance to let the listeners know who you are uh, and then let's dive into Arizona. Cool. Uh, perfect. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're an application service. We're based out of southern New Mexico. Um, I actually grew up in, in central Utah um, in a little town called Glenwood. Um, but after um, some military service, I uh, ended up in southern New Mexico, uh, owned a taxidermy studio, guided uh, for a number of years, and then uh, got asked to join the Cabela's Pags team uh, back in 2014, um, between different uh, things that happened with the merging of Bass Pro and Cabela's, um, I, I just decided to, that it was probably time to, to go a different route, and uh, so moved back to southern New Mexico, um, where where I met Jason Browning uh, 10 years ago out at the gate uh, of an oryx hunt uh, while I was doing some taxidermy work. And uh, between the two of us, uh, we've been working hard for uh, a while now, um, getting uh, what we believe is, is a kind of a new look and feel to uh, an existing service. Um, Jason's been an outfitter for um, many years, so 20 years down here in New Mexico, has worked with some uh, really elite guys uh, through the years, and he had a different angle, I had a different angle, and, and we, we started the draw. Probably the biggest difference between us and any other service out there, Jay, is that that uh, we have the option for our clients to to either opt into a plan that is what we call a non-floated, which is is maybe similar to some of the other companies that you see out there, like a user experience maybe similar to Hunting Fools. Um, meanwhile, we can also opt into a floated program which is a little bit more like uh, what Cabela's was doing. And uh, if you're applying for states that require the money up front, then, then that floated program can definitely take some of the burden off of your shoulders and still allow guys to uh, be as aggressive as they want, but they're not married to it. We, we can really service guys however. We show them head-to-head uh, -head comparison and let them decide what's the better program for them. So in other words, you guys have a program that you will float the fees uh, for them, and then you have a program where they can float their own fees and you let them choose. Yes, that's correct. Okay, sounds good. And what states do you guys focus on right now? Um, really, anywhere that's processing an application, we can take care of. I would say 
Um, obviously, uh, Kansas uh, and and West, uh, as well as New Hampshire, and then obviously Vermont is gone now, but uh, Maine, New Hampshire for moose, um, Kentucky, Pennsylvania for elk, um, into Texas on uh, on uh, that Desert Bighorn application. But then we're also doing the state raffles as well. We help guys get those taken care of. We're a big believer. Uh, nowadays, it seems like so many of these uh, point systems have matured to an extent that they're somewhat broken or they're all the way broken. And depending on your age, sometimes those state raffles uh, where you have um, a chance at closer to equal odds might be a better fit for a guy. So we, we, any, anything that requires an application, um, we can usually take care of you. Okay, that sounds good. Um, guys, let's, uh, let's dive into the Arizona draw. And um, I kind of want to do, for those listeners out there that maybe aren't as familiar with the way the draws work and what have you, uh, basically walk us through from A to Z um, the process as if someone was calling you on the phone um, kind of how everything works, uh, and you know, kind of an A to Z uh, draw process uh, there for Arizona. Sure, sure. You know, the, the biggest call out to the Arizona uh, applications, and, and we'll, we'll stay focused on the antelope and elk right now, is, is that in 2016, uh, you know, Arizona was one of the very first states, in my opinion, to uh, address the fact that as their their system had gotten so mature, um, that there was some some things that were broken about it. If you were applying with less than max points or or just getting started for some of the more elite uh, hunts, uh, rut hunts with bow or muzzleloader or rifle, um, you could in fact have a zero percent chance of drawing those tags. Uh, unless you were in the max point pool. And so uh, when they changed what, uh, what they did in 2016, it, it really was a step in the right direction, in, in my opinion, because now even a guy getting started with zero points, it, it may be a fraction of, of a, a percent a chance at drawing, but the chance was there. You, you, you no longer had a zero percent chance of drawing those, those very elite permits. And so what happened is 20% of those tags are going to the max point pool, and that draw happens first. Now, with the, the change, only 50% of the potential non-resident tags can come out of that max point pool, guaranteeing that uh, uh, 50, at least 50% of the potential non-resident tags remain in that random drawing. And so it, it really... It changed now, and, and then kind of couple that with the fact that Arizona is one of the states that allows us to have two, uh, at least two selections on our application that are going to be considered prior to going to the next application. Um, what, a, what an opportunity. It it'll really allows guys to swing for the fence. Meanwhile, depending on what your goals are, um, we can be more aggressive about going elk hunting, particularly um, more often in Arizona, uh, especially when we start looking at some of the hunts further away from the rut, whether it be late rifles, late archery, or, or some of the late muzzleloader hunts. So if a, if a guy wants a chance at, you know, a, an upper 300-class bull, um, Arizona's a state he's got to be applying for 
but as far as what we're doing and how we're coding those applications, really we would want to know what their goals are. Some guys still don't have any interest in going unless it's an elite opportunity, uh, a rut type hunt. Um, but there's a lot of guys out there that I talk to that uh, they, they wouldn't want to miss their opportunity at, at an elite hunt, but they would like to be more aggressive. And with that change in 2016, all of that is possible now in Arizona. So in other words, uh, before there was not a chance unless you had the maximum amount of points allotted for that hunt and for that unit. Now uh, half of the tags go to completely random, so people with zero points literally have a chance or with few points have a chance, and then it still has the opportunity for the people with the high bonus point levels uh, to be in that uh, max point pool for that species. But in other words, it does create a situation for those people that have had a lot of points. Uh, it's going to take them longer. In other words, the point creep is, is definitely going to take, take place. But uh, the people that don't have max now have a choice, a chance, whereas before they did not have a chance at all. That, that's correct, Jay. And I think really, you know, um, I, I was fortunate enough to get asked to, to write the, the application strategy for GoHunt.com uh, for, for this Arizona elk and, and antelope. And, um, you know, it, it was an, an exciting uh, thing to be able to work with those guys. I'm a huge fan. I think that filtering 2.0 feature that they uh, offer their product, I don't know of anything like it that, that goes as deep and, and, and the levels of, of information that they're trying to produce, not only just in strategy, but unit by unit is, is really incredible. And, and really, the, the overlying, one of the overlying messages in that article that I, that I was able to write was that if you're just getting started, if you're looking at just getting started in Arizona, and we know that that point system is so mature that we're looking at, say, a, a, an early rifle on, on unit one or, or an archery, you know, some of the archery permits in one or 23 or nine or 10, um, that year one, we, we're going to have a less than 1% chance of drawing. We also know that because of that system and, and how mature it is, that we could go maybe 20 years and potentially still be at a less than 1% chance of drawing that. So if, if a guy's looking to get started in Arizona, um, it, it's, a, it's exciting that he can, in fact, have a chance of drawing that, but really a better train of thought is, in, in, I guess depending on what his goals are, that he should be looking at an opportunity that's probably going to be further away from the rut um, but is a more realistic. It's something that has plateaued a little bit, that there is an opportunity he could, in fact, get to the max point pool in, in one of those opportunities. Now, if he's always applying for that elite hunt uh, as his first choice, and then he ends up drawing, say, a hunt that's further from the rut as his second choice, and he goes right back in the draw the following year, he, he really lost nothing. That applicant lost nothing. He lost no ground at ever having a chance at that elite hunt. And in fact, he got a lot more use out of the $160 hunting license that he bought every year because he, he's going hunting. But if we know we're not going to really be gaining any ground over a 20-year period, then 
by all means, let's swing for the fence, but let's look at some more realistic finish lines and let's go hunting and, and get some value out of the, the, the money that we're investing in that state each year. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, talk a little bit about the license structure in Arizona uh, and the non-resident, you know, is paying, I believe, $160 and how that's not an annual license anymore. Uh, and that might not be the right word, but it's not from, say, January 1st to December 31st. It's from the time you buy it. So talk a little bit about that license. Sure. Um, so Arizona requires that uh, as a fee that uh, to, in order to build your, your points, you're going to have to buy that hunting license each year. And the that $160, you know, it's one of these situations where the normal train of thought is that if we're going to buy that, we might as well be getting the most value out of that hunting license, and that's probably where where antelope comes into play for sure. So um, it, it, it's a fee that we pay each year, but uh, there's a lot of opportunity around it. Whether we're looking at some of the over-the-counter archery stuff for deer later in the season, or like I say, we're we're targeting uh, hunts that we can we can go on sooner than later in the draw systems. Um, it, it's just one of these prerequisites. It seems like most states, uh, even starting now, Colorado and New Mexico, are requiring fees like this up front just to participate in their draws. Um, one of the cool things uh, and, and something that we work w with uh, a lot is at the draw we have a Kids Apply Free program, Jay. So if, a, if an adult is, is doing an application of any kind in Arizona um, and you have a youth hunter that's 10 years old or, or older, uh, up until they're 18, that same $160 hunting license is only $5. So for $5 on, on the license and then $15 a species, and we're not even charging a dollar for that youth to be involved, um, to not be looking at getting a strong foundation uh, in Arizona um, and, and getting those kids started as early as possible, we're, we're really trying to help uh, in incentivize these parents to, to not only get themselves involved, but get their youth hunters out there and get them a foundation. If we're living in the western states and our hunting is dependent upon whether we're drawing permits or not, then then to not get a, a, a child started as soon as possible it is definitely uh, going to be a detriment to them as they get older, for sure. That's cool. That's neat that you guys provide that service uh, to the youth. And, um, you know, it's one of those things when the kids are 10 and by the time they're 20, if they put in for 10 years, I mean, they have 10 points and um, can, you know, hit their early 20s with some decent points and probably go on some pretty darn good hunts. Um, so that's cool. So, uh, okay, uh, you've kind of broke down how it kind of works at the beginning uh, and now let's dive into the Arizona uh, elk portion of the draw. Um, and obviously we've got some top-tier units, mid-tier units, and lower-tier units. Uh, talk a little bit about how you walk your clients through uh, the, the process. Obviously you have people that are uh, very sophisticated and use GoHunt.com Insider, and then you probably have people that really have no idea and want you to do it for them and I would assume you provide services for both, but talk a little bit about the strategy as far as, you know, dr drawing an elk tag, 
top tier, mid tier, you know, more opportunity hunts uh, from that perspective. Sure, sure. So, um, really, uh, you know, one of the the questions we ask right off the gate uh, as we're getting uh, started with a new a new client is, you know, how many times. Uh, say in a 10-year period, are you looking to go hunting? And and based on that answer, um, and and probably when we go hunting, what is the goal? Right? Those are two super important questions because once we get that, we could find out that this gentleman or or this hunter is is looking for a once in a lifetime. Like he's he's uh, he's building up to this, it, it, whether it be his budget or his time or whatever it may be. And, and so, uh, or, or it may be we want to go as often as we, as we can. I, I love hunting elk. You know, let's, let's go every year if it's possible. So as we look at the different opportunities in Arizona, really um, it, it's worth calling out that I think that Arizona, uh, when we look at the whole country as far as uh, potential of age class, caliber of bulls, is probably – uh, at least, if it's not leading the way, it's very close, right? It's it's one of the best opportunities. And so even what would be considered a subpar unit in Arizona, more often than not, is going to be uh, as good or better than many different opportunities in lots of the western states. So uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe broader view is that overall, anywhere we're going to go hunting in Arizona for elk lends itself to a fairly positive experience uh, uh, when compared to so much of what else is out there. So once we're in Arizona, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Unit 1. I'm a big fan of Unit 23. Um, particularly, I, I think these two units right now are producing some of the better bulls in the state. Obviously, we've got 9 and 10, um, and uh, 3A, 3C is, is kind of coming on, especially in the early season stuff. And so when we're talking strategy, if the goal is to to shoot the very best bull we can, and I'm not so interested in going to Arizona until I have one of those opportunities, then we need to be looking at uh, at opportunities closer to the rut in some of uh, of these units. Um, I, I I'm always looking and and watching the number of tags that they're they're offering now with this new system to see. You know, the unfortunate thing is we could have less than five of those permits set aside for non-residents to begin with anyways, just based on the total number that they're going to offer in those places. But we can do better for ourselves and better for the people we're working with by, by focusing on units that just inherently have, especially if they're just getting started, um, have a few more of those random permits. As we as we maybe kind of go into that same line of, uh, of thought that I, that I talked about earlier and we're using our second choice to be more aggressive, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're looking away from the premier units, um, but we're going to be looking further away from the rut. So we're still having some potential. Um, I, I probably am not as keen on the late stuff north of Flagstaff and 9 and 10, um, but, you know, uh, year in and year out, you, you still see some really quality stuff coming out of 23 in the late in the light rifles. Um, unit one probably doesn't do quite as well there, but if you're looking for if a 320 class bull 
um, fires you up and, and maybe a chance of something better than a late rifle hunt uh, in twenty or in in one and twenty seven might be a, a good fit for you. You know, once we move out of those kind of what what are probably considered the more premier locations, um, like I said, it it's interesting to me how many guys don't want to consider uh, some of the the the. 6A, the 8, the 7 East, the 7 West, where depending on what your goals are and where you're from, if, you, if you've got a, a stack of Elkhorns in your garage you couldn't run and jump over, then maybe these units still aren't a good fit for you. But if you're looking to go elk hunting, if you haven't been enough or you're still, you know, the idea of a 300-inch bull it gets you excited, then, then to not be looking at some of these as sooner than later opportunities and get us a chance to get in front of some elk and some good populations of elk um arizona has it and every one of those units um still has an opportunity and a chance for maybe something above average i'll, I'll tell you another train of thought on on this go hunt article that i wrote was in fact that being that the drought conditions were so severe across the west and particularly in arizona this last year in 2018 um, it, it's kind of lending itself to a perfect storm for 2019, uh, being that, in my experience, you end up seeing in drought conditions like we just had, the, the, the correct age class of elk are still there. They're on every unit. Everywhere that it normally has them, the age class was there. But that age class didn't produce the type of antlers that guys were excited about harvesting because they'd waited so long and, and whatever the case may be, when you draw a premier tag in, in Arizona, more often than not, you're rather excited about a certain age class of bull that you might get a chance at. And there just wasn't many of those kind of bulls walking around. Now, this year, we're already seeing some great snowpack in, in a lot of the places in Arizona. We're getting some early moisture. Um, fingers crossed that we, we continue seeing that trend. But if we do, 2019 truly has potential to be a banner year in Arizona, particularly because we're ending up with a, a, an age class of bulls that normally would have been harvested, and yet they're going to be there. They're getting all of the right conditions, and they're an, a year older than they normally would be on, on any given unit in the state. So every unit this coming year has a potential to be above average. Um, you know, it's uh, it, to me, if you're sitting on the fence and you happen to be in a max point situation um, in, in any of these places, I really believe 2019 is a year that we need to get serious about, make some arrangements, let's get in that draw, and, and let's get on the mountain because I think we're going to see some, some real uh, incredible bulls coming out of lots of places in Arizona. Yeah, I mean, don't you think for just the sole fact that last year was so rough across the state, there's got to be a lot of bulls that were passed up, a lot of bulls that were broke and got passed up, and then a lot of bulls that maybe were, you know, 350, 360 class or better on, on a good year, and all of a sudden they were 310, 320. And so the, the opportunity for, I think, not only this year but the following season as well, if the moisture trend continues, um, I mean, things could be bright for people that are looking for trophy class quality elk, uh, specifically in Arizona. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. I think that uh, if, if there is a chance to go, I, you know, and, and here's another one that, that, I, that, I, that I look at occasionally too, Jay, and, and, and I think it's got to be the right guy and you've got to kind of help a guy understand what he's saying yes to when we look at these opportunities, but uh, I, I call them the block units, the, the general hunting areas in, in, in Arizona. We're talking now more in that north, west corner um you know as we lead a, you know the 15a 15b 18a um 17a and b uh, where there is no non-resident quota in in these in these units and and particularly on a late rifle hunt um the odds of drawing these permits are are, are so much stronger i mean with with four points we have a serious crack at, at, at drawing this now like to say it's not for everybody because we're going to be dealing with a much higher amount of private property than we are in in a lot of areas so uh, you know studying go hunt maps you know definitely referencing our onyxes having our, our our maps and our 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 resources right there on the hunt is going to be critical to to success as well as understanding when we opt into an opportunity like that that overall the elk density in these portions of the state are are dramatically lower i mean you're to think that you're not going to have a day or two say in a five-day hunt that you 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 could potentially not see a single elk i mean that's a very realistic thing in these portions of the state but uh that doesn't mean that age class isn't still there you're kind of looking for a needle in a haystack but you could end up with a tremendous bull in some of these areas working with the right guys or or putting enough time on the ground uh to to locate them and and all of a sudden we're going to Arizona and and having a chance, like I said, anywhere in Arizona, uh, to compare it with so much of what else is out there is a mistake because it's such a a, a standalone um, in in that age class structure that the potential that's there. And so, really, whatever a guy's goal are, is, if they're with the right people and or they're spending enough time on the ground, even these obscure areas are are, are a chance. And and if there ever was uh, an you know an, an above average chance at it it would be in these coming years i really believe that it's it, that that age class is gonna is really gonna show us what their po p potential genetics are uh as they uh as we get a little bit more moisture this this year for sure um let's uh i want to take a quick second here to thank the sponsors of the podcast uh, obviously, the guys have been talking about GoHunt.com, and Cody Nelson is the optics authority. I call him the glassing guru. He is the optics manager at GoHunt.com. And if you have any interest in binoculars, tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, if you need anything to do with glassing, uh, give him a call at 702-847-8747. That's extension 2. You can talk with him directly or send him an email directly at optics at gohunt.com. He's promised to take care of the J. Scott Outdoors podcast listeners. Uh, I also want to remind you guys, uh, like these guys at the draw have been talking about, uh, Go Hunt Insider is an amazing resource and tool. If you go to gohunt.com forward slash J. Scott, you can sign up and you get a $50 Go Hunt 
uh, gear shop gift card just for signing up. It is the best Western hunting uh, resource out there to when you're looking at draw odds and harvest statistics. Uh, so go ahead and sign up for the Insider. Uh, also, I want to thank Kuyu. That's K-U-I-U dot com. Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the uh, gear that I wear on all my hunts. I want to thank the guys over at Kuyu. Uh, I want to thank Canyon Coolers based right out of uh, Flagstaff, Arizona. If you use the J. Scott 19 promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount on all Canyon Coolers. Go check them out at CanyonCoolers.com. Uh, Phonescope.com. Use the J. Scott 19 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount. That is the digiscoping device that I use on my iPhone 10. Uh, it gets all of the photos and videos that you see on my Instagram account. And then Onyx Maps. Onyx Maps is uh, the newest sponsor of the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. But if you use the J. Scott 19 promo code, you're going to get a 20% discount. I can't say enough about Onyx Maps. I've been using them for years. Uh, unbelievable resource to use on your phone. It eliminates the GPS. Um, it's got uh, awesome uh, boundary lines showing private versus public. It's got the ability to show topo map and then flip over to aerial and then do a hybrid mode. Uh, it has a breadcrumb feature uh, that can track everywhere you go, whether in your vehicle or on foot. Um, just an incredible map. Go to uh, onxmaps.com. Use the J. Scott 19 promo code, and you're going to get a 20% discount. Guys, we've been talking about elk. Um, transition a little bit into uh, talking about antelope and uh, your thoughts on Arizona antelope hunting and, uh, you know, the structure and what have you, uh, kind of the same way you went through uh, the stuff on elk. Sure, sure, definitely. You know, antelope is, you know, uh, kind of referencing uh, uh, go hunt and, and how they talk about stuff. You know, they talk about hidden gems in uh, in in their strategy articles, and uh, you know, antelope in general is is the hidden gem in in Arizona, and it's uh, any unit in the state is capable of producing something amazing. It really is. Now, th that's kind of the good part. The the bad part is that they're just uh, part of why it's such an elite hunt when it does happen is that they are very strict management on, on many, many of their units, and so the opportunity to go is, is difficult. And so I, I'm, I'm super excited that we get a chance to talk about this because we kind of go into a little bit of, uh, of some of my theory on uh, some of these systems, Jay, that, that are so mature out there. And I think that there's so many hunters that are looking at getting started in the western states and an Arizona antelope application is a perfect example of why a guy finds out a little bit about it and then decides you know what this isn't for me I'm, I'm not going to do this and and so it it really it is a difficult tag to draw but here here's my thoughts about it and why a guy uh, might decide to do it I mean if we're going to buy the $160 hunting license in, in Arizona, to not be applying for all species of interest is, is often a mistake. Now, that being said, I also believe that in a state like Arizona, um, being married to that application just because they keep track of the number of points that, that they're keeping for us or keeping track of how many times they've told us no uh, might be also a mistake. And I know that I'm kind of against the grain on, on my train of thought there, but 
it's unfortunate how hard uh, it's gotten to get some of these. But if there's any other reason, like the Arizona elk, that we're buying that $160 hunting license, to not also be applying for an extra $15 for arguably some of the more, I mean, that is absolutely some of the most elite opportunities at that species that the country offers. So even, even though we could end up in 10, 15 years with still less than 1% chance of drawing, then, then we should be applying during those years that we're, that we're building points. If we have any other reasons that we're in Arizona, we should in fact apply for antelope. Now, if we get to finish lines in Arizona, we feel like we're, we're not going to go back there, or we're not going to continue applying for some of the more realistic chances to draw, you know, maybe we decide to pull off and we reinvest in, like, the state raffle program. I mean, if we know that we're going to have a less than 1% chance across the board in the, some of this stuff, we should still be trying for those elite opportunities, but maybe we can get a better value, a better bang for our buck. It's just not that common to see a guy jump into Arizona because of the antelope. But while you're there for anything else, to not try and draw – uh, I, I, I was really fortunate a few years ago, and Jason uh, w was a big part of this with me, and, and we were able to um, hunt and, and help harvest uh, an antelope that, that happened to be in New Mexico that was, that was a little over 90 inches. And, and both of us have been pretty fortunate to hunt some, some amazing representations of a lot of species. And I can tell you... Um, out of everything I've ever walked up to, we, we really knew what this antelope was going to score when, when we walked up to him. We'd been w watching him for months, and I've never been more just speechless than walking up to an antelope of, of that caliber. And it, it, was, it was like nothing I'd ever seen, even knowing what, what he was, and, and really, truly, it was an anomaly. It's an anomaly anywhere, but if a guy has any aspirations at all of walking up to uh, uh, a mid-80s or possibly a 90-inch antelope and, and truly, you know, seeing what that is and how impressive that is, then you need to be in Arizona and you need to be trying. And for 15 extra dollars, um, it, it just makes sense. Now, where to apply is, is, is really kind of comes back to this whole 2016 uh, change that happened and, and why it's exciting to be applying for that it is a direct result of, of what happened in 2016 and the change. And so now we look at a unit like Unit 10, and we know that at least five of those tags are going to be in the random drawing. And, you know, any given year, that's the elite tag in the state to start with. To not be putting that uh, probably as your first choice is, is often a mistake. Now, if you're setting at max points and you're working with some, some guys on the ground that have a very specific antelope in mind for you, uh, it could be in any given unit in the state, and that's exciting. And you should be following their lead and doing what they tell you to do because that's, that's what we pay those kind of guys for. But if we're just getting started, we don't maybe have a lead or, or, or we know that our chance of drawing that elite tag is, is still going to be less than 1%, then we need to be looking for any of those units that have the most number of random chances that we can and using both of them as, as codes because we're, 
we're really not leading up to a finish line per se. Even a 10-year-old nowadays getting started in Arizona, unfortunately, is probably not leading up to a finish line, uh, even in a long period of time. But but the, the, the incredibleness and how next level those antelope hunts are is the reason a guy should get started with that species and try and get involved because it, it really is, uh, there isn't anything even close to what so much of Arizona offers when it comes to antelope. What units, um, other than the unit 10 that you mentioned, what, what units do you really like for antelope in Arizona? You know, I'm a I'm pretty big fan of, uh, of 7, 7 West. Um, I like, uh, you know, any of the units around Flagstaff tend to, to have a better than average uh, a population and a, and a chance for something exceptional. Obviously, as we drift further to the west and we get into the 18As, um, 18Bs, I mean, the track record in, in that part of the state has been there a long time. And, you know, I'll tell you, you just truly never know, Jay. I mean, my, my brother actually drew, we, we got him applied. It was his first year um, in 2016. It was the first year it was even a chance of this happening, and he drew a muzzleloader tag in 15A, the, the, the 15A, 15B over there uh, by Kingston. And, uh, and he uh, went out on that unit. He'd never been there before. He spent about three or four days uh uh, looking around for, for different antelope, and he saw a number of bucks that were in that high 70s and maybe a buck or two that was in the low 80s. Well, lo and behold, he ends up finding a buck that if, if you end up on our Instagram page uh, at We Are The Draw, you, you can check him out and, and see. He has an, a horn that didn't shed its sheath on one side, and then it also points straight to the ground. That one horn was over... 22 inches long if you come over the top of the curve and and even that goat uh had it been normal where its other side was was very normal looking went a little over 80 inches and who's to say what that antelope scores there there's a lot of uh, uh conversations around where you actually get the length measurement off of it but it's a it, it's an incredible antelope and it, had it been normal, it still would have been over 80 inches. Those units never get talked about as elite units. There's not a very high density of antelope in there, and yet there it was. And, and, and like you say, I, I won't guess what the actual score is because it, it's fairly dramatic depending on how you take the length off of it. But it, it just goes to show you anywhere in that state has a chance of producing something exceptional. And, and it's a it really is the hidden gem in, in Arizona. All, all antelope hunting is. As you guys move forward with your business and as your business grows, um, what do you see going on at the draw as far as, you know, right now it's, it's Jordan and Jason. Do you see yourself uh, adding to your staff? Um, do, you, do you propose that you're going to keep it a small operation or is your is your goal to grow the business what what is your idea you know uh our our real goal jay is to take care of people um i think that that application services have gotten into a rut that the the user experience has become very much like selling insurance you get a call once a year uh, do you want to up your policy 
no, okay, we'll do what we did last year and see you later. And that is the, the experience in, in a box. And so many guys are, are receiving that, and we're trying very hard to be a lot more engaged with each person. So if we can find opportunities to grow and we get the right people in place that, that we feel like can take care of people um, at the level that we're trying to do that with each and every guy that we work with, then, then we're, we're not against that at all. We, we, but, but it's got to be a controlled growth, and we've got to make sure that our user experience is unlike anything that they've ever had if they've been using other application services or if they've never done it before. I mean, I, I'm a big believer, Jay, that, that to try and, and lock in on every application that you're going to do during the course of an application season uh, at, at one time is, is a mistake. It, it's, it's a lot, at least for me personally and the guys I like to, that, that like working with me, it's a lot more fluid. I, I'm, a, I'm an aggressive applicant. I put in for pretty much everything that has some sort of draw. That's why we're going to be at the Western Expo this year because there's 200 tags that we could draw for, for five bucks a piece. And, and what, really what I'm meaning by that is, you know, let's take that this Wyoming elk, uh, or, or actually even just we'll stay on, on topic here, the, the Arizona elk. I'm a guy that likes to apply aggressively. Let's put in for some elite opportunities in Arizona. Let's try and draw something fantastic. Now, based on the results of that application, it's probably going to change what I'm doing in New Mexico. It's going to change what I'm doing in Colorado. It's going to change what I'm doing in Nevada based on those goals. And if I've just put it in a box and said, okay, this is what we're going to do, execute the plan, then I'm not being a, as fluid as I need to to take the maximum and advantage of each and every application that's out there. And a big concept that I, that I work with my guys on as we get started is backup plans. And, and I use applications to create opportunities because I'm not going to be buying landowner permits. I'm not going to be doing things like that. I, I use applications to provide hunting opportunities. So if I know most of the results across the country, typically by the end of May, then I still have my Wyoming deer and antelope as a backup plan. I've got Iowa whitetail uh, that we're doing a free promotion on right now. I've got all of Idaho. I've even got coos deer uh, particularly, and then the sheep application in Arizona that depending on how other applications have gone during the season, then I've got all of those in my back pocket clear into May and June that I'm not needing any luck anymore. I do a little bit of investing on the front end, so on the years that it doesn't work out in some of this harder-to-draw stuff, I am still setting in a great position to go on a top-shelf type experience um, all the way, like I say, into June that uh, that if if we decided what we were going to do in December and that's it, how how are we adjusting and making uh, those 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 little fixes to our our plan so that we can go as often as we want for species that we want to go for? It's it's just a different way of processing it. It's a different way of taking care of it. I work with a ton of DIY guys. I love that. I think it's an exciting piece of what we do is helping those guys find where these different wrinkles and folds are and where the opportunities are so they can get in the field more often. And, and I have guys that have a mixture of those short-term goals 
as well as swinging for the fence on on some of the more elite opportunities that the country offers. That's good stuff, man. That's uh, that's good stuff. So after the Arizona application, uh, you guys, I assume, are diving right into Utah and, and uh, New Mexico as well? Yes, that's correct. Yep. Okay. And um, you guys yourselves, you're from New Mexico. Um, in general, how is things shaping up for New Mexico as far as moisture out there? Uh, obviously, I don't think that deadline is till April, so we have a little bit more time, uh, March or April, somewhere in there. But um, how are we shaping up out there in New Mexico? You know, Jay, it's real similar to Arizona. We've been in a drought. We had a horrible elk year this year. Um, I really follow hard in, in my outfitting the, uh, the different um, bulls that are taken, and we just didn't take very many big bulls across the state period this year. I mean, I don't know of less than 10 bulls over 380 killed in the entire state, and that's just uncharacteristic of New Mexico. But thank goodness, just like you guys, we are getting the winter moisture, and things are, you know, it seems like it's a perfect storm again for this upcoming year. Um, in all the all the units in New Mexico for elk, um, we it really seems like we're going to make up for lost ground from last year this year. It's always great to be optimistic going into application season, knowing that the chances for trophy quality for me, knowing that trophy quality could be potentially great. Um, I know hunters across the board as well. You know, I mean, the reality is even if you're a meat hunter, guys like to see big antlers. So. Um, it's always uh, cool to see some of these uh, winter storms and see some of the forecasts. And uh, anything's going to be better than last year, so it's pretty easy to be optimistic. Um, guys, uh, awesome job on this podcast. Uh, awesome job on the strategy article for Go Hunt for Arizona. Uh, you guys did a great job. I want to give you guys a chance to make sure you let the listeners know uh, how they can reach out to you, where they can find you, how they can talk to you more. Uh, and I will also link it up in the show notes of this podcast. I really appreciate the value that you guys have brought uh, to the show, and I look forward to having you guys on again. Well, we sure appreciate the opportunity, Jay. Uh, we've been doing this quite a while um, with maybe different hats on, but uh, we're really excited to kind of put our, our, our feel to it and, and show guys uh, that there is other methods and other ways of, of getting taken care of around these applications and, and just getting in the field more often. I, it's, uh, I get really passionate about it, and, and it's been everything to me, and, and I love sharing it with people for sure. So uh, thanks for having us. Um, you know, as far as finding us and, and where where to where to look, we do have a Facebook page. Uh, it's just the draw um, on Facebook. Um, our our website is www.thedraw.com, and on Instagram we uh, we have at we are the draw. Um, you're going to find us uh, if anybody happens to be going to the Western Expo uh, in Salt Lake City here in a couple of weeks. Um, one of the things I was going to tell you, if you if you kind of like some of the theory that we've got here and you want to dive a little deeper in that, I'm going to be doing two different seminars uh, there at the Western Expo around Western hunting application strategy. You know, we're going to talk a little more at 10,000 feet um, and, and kind of, like say, take a bigger look at all applications and how they play off of each other 
so that we're being as aggressive as we can without being, you know, wasteful and, and applying for things that just don't don't have uh, realistic goals wrapped around them. So that's going to be Friday at 11.15 as well as on Sunday, I believe, at 2 o'clock. I, I believe that's when the Sunday one is. Um, we're going to have a booth. It'll be down um, kind of in the new room across from uh, uh, near near where that total archery challenge is. Uh, so uh, definitely look us up there, and uh, we're excited to, to get out there and, and show everybody uh, a little bit different feel to it. One of the last things I would tell you too, Jay, and your listeners, is we do have what we call a free hunt plan. And, and really what that is, Jay, is, is an invitation that if you're a guy that wants to get started in this, and I think this will resonate with the, the, the listeners that are, are Go Hunt Insider members. I think that um, sometimes even just reading maybe the articles that, that we're writing and looking at that uh, data that's produced can tend to be even overwhelming because it's such an amazing resource. There's so, so much there. And what our free hunt plan is, is, is an invitation for anyone to call us. I mean, if they're biting on orange power bait, Jay, I'm going to tell you if you call. And 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 that goes for anything with these applications. It's it's we, we want to help people, and we believe that what's good for one person and what's not good and what's good for the next is very different. So whether they're actually processing applications or whether they just need somebody to maybe break it down a little bit easier for them. Uh, that that is our invitation. Call us and let us help you because um, we like taking care of people. And we, if, if I have to talk to one other person that did an over-the-counter elk hunt in Colorado, I'm going to cry myself to sleep. <laughs> Please yeah. call us and let us help you see where there's some better opportunity and where, with just a little bit of legwork, we can have such a more positive experience when we go out in the field. That's awesome. Well, guys, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing. Uh, I am going to be at the Salt Lake show as well. I'm going to be walking around on Friday and Saturday, so I'll make sure to look you up and and uh, come come meet you guys in person. Uh, also, for my listeners out there, if you're going to be at the Sheep Show this week, uh, I'm going to be also walking around on Friday and Saturday, so send me an Instagram message or an email. Love to meet up with you if you see me. Definitely reach out. Love to um, meet all of the J. Scott Outdoors podcast listeners, uh, each and every one of you. So, uh, guys, uh, God bless you. Thanks for coming on. Look forward to uh, future conversations, and uh, I'll see you in Salt Lake. Thanks, Jay. Thank you very much, Jay. All right. Take care.